Welcome to the Get Emergent podcast. On our Driving Leadership episodes, you'll witness conversations with leaders from all walks of life and learn about what drives them to lead. You'll hear about their leadership development, current challenges that face them and their organizations, and stories about leadership. I'm Bill Berthel, and my desire to demystify leadership and have real conversations with leaders is what drives me. Joining me today is Ryan Doyle. Ryan, so glad to have you here today. It's an honor to be here, Bill. Thank you. You are the CEO and founder of Radar Architecture. I can't wait to hear more about your organization. Where are you located? In Syracuse right now, but looking yeah. forward in the next few years to doing more work in the central New York region. Yeah, awesome. But Syracuse is kind of home for us, isn't it? The central New York region. That's right. I uh, grew up in the Albany, Schenectady, kind of capital region area. I went to SU many years ago now and decided after working in New York and Los Angeles for a few years, I wanted to come back to the area and seize the opportunity. I moved back here in 2019, just before all the craziness started. So you were working some you know, larger cities and some big projects. What brought you back to Syracuse? Yeah, as I was just mentioning, I think I grew up, you know, in and around the Schenectady area, which is a bit of like a Rust Belt kind of town like Syracuse and some of the areas around here that, you know, really peaked in the early 20th century and have, are trying to reimagine themselves. So again, I was in New York for six or seven years and L.A. for four. So I feel like I was fortunate enough to get to see what's the latest and greatest in design thinking and urban mm-hmm. planning. How do we think about sustainability in the 21st century? But for me, like, how do we actually apply this to these areas that many of us grew up in that still have the good bones and still have those opportunities as we move into the 21st century about what's possible here? I love that idea of good bones. I think so many of these, you know, small cities and communities in central New York do have those good bones, right? From your perspective, that'd be true? Absolutely. I mean, I chose to move into downtown Syracuse or a little, just a little bit outside down the street from the dinosaur barbecue there. Yeah. You know, and I think in particular, just that ability to walk around is mm. something that gives you a different insight than what you experience driving by car. And that's also part of what I think makes the Syracuse city and area so special is that you get both. From where I live right now, I can be on the highway in five or 10 minutes or in the middle of downtown at the same time. So in 15 or 20 minutes, you can be out in the countryside or in a happening space downtown. So yeah, that is cool. It's a strategic location. You would never think of it that way, but it really is. That's right. Cool. So I really want to talk to you about your organization and your leadership. What gets you up in the morning? Why are you driven to lead? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with just that I fell in love with architecture, you know, Mm. almost 20 years ago now, I would say. And that part of being an architect is by definition being a leader. You know, the way I would describe my role is to mobilize the intelligence of the people around me, whether that's our clients, consultants, or different engineers that we work with on projects, and especially with the contractors whose skill and knowledge and expertise we depend upon to actually put the buildings together. So I've always just loved just to see things come together and drawing and architecture and leadership seemed like a natural path for me. I love that idea of mobilizing intelligence, but can you go deeper for me? Like, why do you do what you do? What is it you want to get out of leading in the architectural field? Well, I think in particular at at Radar, we're interested in seeing the opportunities that are hidden in plain sight. Yeah, Yeah, awesome. You know, whether I chose this profession or this profession Mm. chose (laughs) me, it's hard to say for sure. 
Yeah. And I would say that just making drawings of things, watching complex ideas get broken down into small parts and rearranged, watching that come together. And again, it requires the collaboration of dozens, hundreds of people in many cases. Mm. Personally, in terms of my work itself, like we're very fascinated in how our buildings respond to the sun, in mm. particular to daylight, not just as a way of making people feel connected to nature and their larger environment, but really as a kind of spiritual and, and universal, eternal kind of thing that this is the source of all life in our solar system and universe as far as we know it. It has a great impact on the way you experience a building or a part of a city. Yeah, that is so cool. Uh, you and I have had many conversations over the last several years on your philosophy in that space. It's it's honoring that. It's really cherishing and honoring what the natural world has to offer. That's right. And then that's where I would say that the way I see our work and our practice developing is, is that same both and kind of mm. thinking that we're going to look at what are the opportunities inherent in this particular site, on this particular block, in this particular neighborhood, in this particular part of the world. Mm -hmm. right? There's a certain character of the way the light, where the position of the sun is, a certain character of the topography, the ground, the way that that's orchestrated, a certain sure. characteristic of the urban block or the street, you know, where that's been planned. But at the same time, we have to think about what are the constraints that come from the client? What are the budgetary requirements? What is the schedule impact? How do we use materials and systems and assemblies that are already part of, you know, the construction supply chain? Supply chain is a big word these days. You sure. know, how do we, you know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel every single time. The idea is to leverage all of those tools and resources and materials but deploy them in a specific way that, that feels unique to that particular site, that particular client that's using that project. Awesome. So you went to school at SU for a little bit. Yep. Yep. And then your path led you. Yes. I went to uh, SU 2009. So a few years ago now, and I was fortunate enough to be hired at a firm cook Fox in New York city mm -hmm. where I kind of cut my teeth working on skyscrapers, you know, mm. large, primarily residential, some commercial projects. And because I was fortunate enough to be one of the first people hired back after the recession in 2008 and nine, mm -hmm. I was able to kind of quickly work my way up through the firm and get to see a lot of these projects from start to finish. Mm. That's an oh. experience that that's kind of unique. Sometimes people will come in for just a year or two of a particular project, but okay. I was able to see them you know, early on and all the way through. And then I decided after that point that, you know, I knew I always wanted to have my own practice. And I also knew that I wanted to teach. I've had some really great teachers, you know, both professionally and in traditional school settings over my career. And so part of that pathway to do that is to go to graduate school. Mm -hmm. so I made the decision to head to the West Coast to work with Tom Main and spent a year or two working at his practice, as well as, you know, learning how to teach myself. I then went on my own for a couple of years, uh, primarily just teaching, but it was at that point that I realized I needed to focus and again, make this a, a real commitment to building my own practice at the same time and mm -hmm. decided to come back here. Awesome. Well, Syracuse is really lucky to have you. These communities do have great bones, like you said, and so much potential is here at the Central New York community. What um, unique story stands out for you that you think our listeners might learn something from your leadership path, Ryan? 
Well, I think in particular, we were just starting to talk about before we got on the call here is like just how to be, we've always talked about this both and issue, but that mm-hmm. flexibility, having both a clear direction and aim, and even let's say a system for making decisions, mm-hmm. but at the same time being flexible enough to pivot and adjust as needed. I've built up kind of over the last couple of years as the practice has developed a routine for myself each week about what I need to do on Friday and on Monday to get prepared for the week to come and follow up with all of my clients and expectations, but at the same time have to adjust and change that when things do change. (laughs) For instance, I unfortunately just found out at the end of last week that one of the projects I've been helping with for the last couple of years isn't going to move forward the way Mm. we thought. So super, super disappointing, right? But I recognized that this was an opportunity for me to kind of double down on the connections and relationships that I've built with the other people on that project team. Just through the simple act of following up with everybody to let them know that the client had decided to take things in a different direction. One of the consultants actually approached me with a different, wholly new potential project opportunity. I had oh, wow. no, no, no idea about. Right. Did I plan that? No, except that I just had built that system in place. You know, yeah. that every Friday I'm going to follow up on all of my projects. And, you know, in, in the process of doing that, had to pivot because of this new circumstance. And out of lemons, I made a little bit of lemonade. So... That's right. I think we bring the sugar when the world gives us lemons. We bring the sugar. That's awesome. That's awesome. Other than projects not necessarily working out, I do love our conversations around that both and that idea that leadership is a paradox, right? And your example mm-hmm. of structured yet really free-flowing at times, right? We, we need to be both of those. Uh, it's a both and model. What challenges are existing either in your leadership or your field today that you're, you know, you're really working on either to develop, overcome, or you're concerned about? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say first we could spend probably several podcasts just talking <laughs> about challenges in the field. We'll have you back on then for another episode. That, that's a whole, yeah, whole separate conversation. But to answer the, the first part of that is very simple. Like I am the person that's most mm. in my way most of the time. This is something that has taken me decades to figure out. You know, when you're younger and and a kid, you think, you know, if only my parents would let me do this or that, or, you know, if they just agreed with me. And at some point you think maybe it's your teachers or your professors or, or your boss or supervisor, you know, if only they got along. Sure. Absolutely. I said, you know, and you find out as you get a little bit up there in age that the common person stitched through all of these things is you. Mm. you know, so I, I, it's definitely become clear to me that I still am the primary obstacle in my way. You know, we've talked about that a lot in terms of how I set my own expectations. Am I thinking that this is going to go well, or do I have a negative expectation going into this situation? You know, I'm always trying to, again, like the example, we just talked about focus on what I can do in the moment to move things forward. Yeah, I would say it's it's me. It's always been me. I really do so appreciate that. It's it's actually it's one of the book ideas I have personally to write. It's something around getting out of your own way, right? right. That's right. What holds me back from writing it is that I don't feel legit enough to do it because I don't I haven't figured it out yet, right? Well, this this is a perfect example of in fact of that again, that duality, that both yes. things like 
You need to believe in yourself strongly enough to follow through and to not give up going kind of no matter what happens. Absolutely. But also have some healthy skepticism, doubt, you know, to make sure that you're not going too far off the rails and and not paying attention again to what's around you or the situation that's unfolding. Absolutely. For me, there's a little bit of knowing when to let something go or not say yes to something. That's That's right. uh, That's right. I'd say I'd add that to my list too of that yes when to say yes when to say no is something no, I'm yeah. learning and practicing yeah that's a great point yeah. or not yet right it doesn't have to be a hard no right. maybe, maybe right. not yet not yet exactly. what advice do you have for our leaders that are listening yeah in this same vein I'd say there's three really simple things one is to in this both and methodology it's like one is to set that big scary frightening slightly terrifying goal far out in the future, something that you might not even be sure how it's going to happen, but you just, you have that feeling in your heart, you know, the Mm. hair stands up on the, on your hand or whatever. You have that sense that like, this is right. So that big aim, big goal to align yourself with, but to then figure out a day-to-day system. And again, doesn't maybe have to be Mm. as rigid or structured as I can be at times, but whatever works for you, but some repeatable way each day to just chip away at it. Again, Mm -hmm. you're not trying to move the entire mountain, just a little bit at a time every day. Mm -hmm. And the third is is simply just never give up. We were just saying before, I mean, this is one of the things I have pinned on my fridge and look at every day, you know, especially when things are tough. Set that big goal far out there in the future, figure out what is a repeatable path to get there every single day and just keep going. So would you share with me and your listeners what your big, scary goal is that has the hair on the back of your neck standing oh, yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. It, what is it? it? It's easy for me. And it's been the same since, I'll say at least since 2007. My goal is to design a building that's built that inspires someone else to want to be an architect. Because I've been to places that sent chills up my spine and I want to create that same experience for mm. someone else. So much so that they decide to pursue this crazy field themselves what a cool way to bring light to your your space right to you know, literally and figuratively that's right. invite someone into something you design that inspires them to also design and create very cool very cool ryan thank you so much really appreciate your time and energy today any closing words no i, I just want to thank you and thank again as i mentioned a little earlier there's just so many people that have yeah helped me get to this place, you know, just so thankful to my parents for believing in me and my brother and and again, giving us that right amount of freedom and boundaries. Uh, I've had so many great teachers and and whether it's Rick and Bob in New York or Tom in LA, so many people have spent their time and believed in me and saw the, the possibility and opportunity in me. So I hope to just keep paying it forward. Awesome. Well, I absolutely know you will. And thank you. Thanks for your time and energy. Thank you so much, Bill. Absolutely. Listen for more episodes of Driving Leadership right here on the Get Emergent podcast, where we'll continue the conversations with a new leader every month.